This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you I'm can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large, injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. On August 25th, I'm the most brutal, vicious, ruthless champion that's ever been. The most anticipated original series is here. You may know Tyson. You're the heavyweight champion of the world, young, rich, and black. But do you know Mike? The minute you get too big, they gotta cut you down. Starring Trevante Rhodes. I'm I am Mike. And Harvey Keitel. They'll love you as much as they fear you. Now I'm really gonna have some fun. Mike. Series premiere August 25th, only on Hulu. Who are you? It's um, where one of you lot take the seat and it's 20 questions based on who are you, why are you following Millwall, what got you into it, memories, etc., etc., all around. You can keep anonymous. You can run off your uh, Twitter account, your Facebook name. You can have a made-up name. You can do whatever you want. It's just literally that we're just finding out about you. So without further ado, we're going to kick in and... Uh, and our guest this week is, um, what's your Twitter handle and um, and whereabouts are you based? Okay, so the Twitter handle is Wallart1885, um, and that's been going a couple of years. And um, sort of similar to you, you know, you try and sort of have your own sort of little niche. And mine has been sticking up a few um, few old photos and memories and stuff and because I see other Mill supporters doing it and thought I'd do the same and, and I've grown a bit of a following from it. Um, but it's more about just sharing the love of this great club of ours. Um, and I'm from from Peckham, now live in sort of Bromley Borders. Um, but Peckham is uh, is obviously the uh, one of the reasons why there ain't much yeah. left to Peckham now, is there? I don't think, you know. Um, no, no, no. Remnants here and there. <laughs> remnants here and there. And obviously, uh, mostly the, the older inhabitants mostly dispersed. But there's a few There's a few still there. Everyone yeah. seems to be moving out now. I mean, I live I live in Dartford now. And um, <clears throat> there's loads of bots who used to live in London moved out because you get more for your pound out here. The only thing that annoys me around here is obviously Blue Water's not far from my house. Is um, that you've got fat 
middle-aged men wearing West Ham shirts, which have obviously worn their kids' shirt, and it's like so tight that it's unreal. It's a good thing with Millwall is that we don't really wear shirts that much unless you go away on holiday and stuff, but at least we buy ones that fit because the club shop always has 5XX, 5XL, <laughs> 6XL. So we're always well ahead of the game there, but for some reason around here you've got people who must be weighing in 16, 17 stone and it looks like they've put a medium West Ham shirt on. No, um, West Ham supporters never pretty at the best of times, are they? No, 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 no definitely. <laughs> and there we go, we start the banner off as we mean to go on. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So, question two on the famous 20 questions is, <clears throat> how did you become a Millwall supporter? Well, so this is sort of a bit... I don't know. I don't know if it used to be like on T-shirts or, or something like that. They used to have that phrase "English by birth, uh, Mill by the grace of God." And I think there's there's it's that, and it's you know it's it's more luck as much as anything. Now, as I said, I'm from Peckham, so that's where my mum and dad brought us up. Um, but that mainly comes from sort of like the mum side of the family. So that's all Peckham, Woolworth, North Peckham kind of area, um, and they go back you know generations. Whereas my dad's family from sort of Kent, uh, Sussex sort of border. Um, but my dad was born in Dulwich, so a bit closer to Millwall. But he, um, but my granddad, on my dad's side, he was a Palace fan. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. But, um, but my dad was brought up going to Palace one week and Millwall the other because my granddad's friend or one of his close friends was a Millwall supporter. So my dad was brought up going to both. And, but you would appreciate that if you ever did go to both, only the same person, if they had a choice, would choose which one they wanted to go to. And it wasn't the one that my granddad went to. So my dad was very much, he caught the bug. So the fact that he went as a kid um, and enjoyed that experience at the den compared to the experience at Sellers Park, that's in essence why uh, me and my brothers ended up doing the same. So, all right, we come from Peckham. And we've got that, obviously, really close proximity. But, I mean, going to school, there were very few Millwall supporters um, in the class, if you know what I mean. Peckham was pretty poor way back. But even when I was a kid, it wasn't like, you know, an affluent area. And Millwall's gates at that time are sort of like your 6,000s or whatever. So, you know, think of how many people lived in that area, but not that many went to football on a, on a day-in, day-out basis. And, you know, I, you know my dad... Uh, you know, he was earning his mum and dad were, you know, trying to keep us or whatever. They didn't have loads of money. So, even like going to football, it wasn't like a regular event. And with three sons, it was even less a regular event. So, um, but he, he, he used to go when he was young and he, he still went a little bit every now and then. And eventually, we all got our turn to go. And then it sort of eventually just turned into us going all the time. And then when we got older, we paid for him to have a season ticket so it was sort of roles reversed a little bit but um but yeah so it, it's did it's you, um, at the end of the day did you um used to have like the older boy went first and then if he didn't yeah. go then the younger one as such because i spoke to another fan and he said you know when it was my turn to go it was brilliant he said but it was the brothers who had to go first because obviously we couldn't afford to all go every week <clears throat> yeah, and it, it sort of this comes on to the, your next question a little bit because um, my, my older brother, he uh, he first went in '75, and he's only a year older than me, and um, I didn't go till '78. I didn't go till '78, so it was like, and but I'm thinking, I don't know for sure. I'm thinking that the reason probably that I didn't go was probably because of the, the time I first went was probably when it was all kicking off on the terraces, and so like '78. Uh, the year before I went to my first match, that was when we had the uh, trouble with Ipswich in the cup. So it's, it's quite possible that my mum was probably putting her foot down saying, you can't take him, he's too young, it's too much bother, you know, and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. So, um, so yeah, so I had to wait a bit longer. But, you know, the longer you wait, the more special it is. Um, so I got there in the end and uh, haven't looked back. Excellent. So, again, on to question three then. What was your first Millwall game and your memories and impressions of that game? Yeah, so I suppose actually waiting longer meant that I could remember a bit of it because, like, my son, he's been going since he was two, but he's got no memory of, you know, being taken to his first matches. And I tell him that, you know, he used to go and Harry Kane was playing for us and he doesn't, you know, it doesn't, he can't remember it. But 
But I remember my first match. It was uh, Luton at home, 1978, 1978-79 season. We got relegated that year. But that was my first match. Uh, we lost 2-0. So I remember that. I remember where I stood. Stood where the family enclosure ended up being built at the den. So it was on that sort of corner because the terracing was a bit steeper there. So my dad said, you yeah, know, take you there, you get a better view. But there's only 6,000 in, so you probably, would have had a, you probably would have had a decent view anyway you stood on that day. But um, but I remember that. We lost, obviously. But I think, again, I think going to your first game with a defeat is probably a rite of passage following Millwall anyway. So, um, so that didn't matter. It was just the fact that, you know, I got to go to a match for the first time. That was what was really special um you know it was cold it was all it was, it was i think it was in the winter time um so it was dark you know so it started when it was light and then it finished when it's dark um and that sort of the, the kind of the atmosphere that you had from it um was was special i remember um remember one of the chants that we used to have at that time so we didn't have uh, like the monk chart or anything like that i don't think we we're certain we didn't sing No One Likes Us then either, but I do remember the chant around that time that, I, that used to reverberate around the ground was um, Come On You Lions. So it used to go, Come On You Lions. And it used to, and it, and it, it was almost like everybody used to start it off at their own time and it used to just go around the ground. And it was like, often like 10 minutes before the end of the match, it would just, just ring out. And that noise, and as I said, you know, the attendances weren't great then, but the noise off that terrace when that when that crowd got going was special. And it's so, you know, I remember very little about the football. I might remember that, you know, there was a bit of orange in Luton's kit, but apart from that, that can't remember much about that. But I remember being on the terrace. I remember the noise. I remember the sort of smells and the feeling. Um, and and so and those sort of they, you know, that was that was the den, and that was a really special place to go. The cry you will hear when you come down Cold Low Lane. Come on, you lions, it's the cry of the year. Millwall's at home again. Yes, we'll keep on cheering through times that are thick and thin. You should hear the Millwall roar as the lions bang one in. We are Millwall. Super Millwall, and we come from the dead. We are Millwall, Super Millwall. But there was, it was, it was just, um, as I said, it was just, you know, some of the songs have come and gone a little bit down the years, but either way, it didn't matter. It was still, it was us and we were singing and it was just a, a unique noise and, uh, you know, not repeated amongst a lot of other teams, I don't think. Now there's always there's always been a um a special a, a specialty in there with Millwall for yeah. songs and um instantaneous chants or you know the banter and everything else at games. There, there doesn't seem to be any other teams quite like um Millwall to be fair. Um, yeah, special. You know, even the um give me an M and then wobble you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, unique. Everything's unique. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> I mean, me when I when I you know when I was going, I used to love Paul Shaw. You know the the song oh, Paul Shaw, Baldy Baldy yeah. Shaw. He's got no air and he don't care. Baldy Baldy Shaw. You know he's um it, it, it is what it is. But no, it's uh it, it's a it's a good one, and I'll um I'll try and find if I can find a chant. If not, I'll put that that song um mm-hmm. into it anyway. So yeah. So moving on. Question four. Um, CBL, halfway line, seats or Alderton Road end? Yes, as I said, the first match was on the halfway because, you know, where it was. But actually, we always came in via the Alderton Road um, turnstiles because that's where we sort of, that's the way we came from. Like Peckham um, sort of like 
the North End of Peckham. So it was like, it just, that was the way you came in. And I, for many years, probably about 10 years or so, never ever came in via the Coldblow Lane um, turnstile. So that Coldblow Lane was just, it was just a myth, you know. I'd never, ever, never, ever been along there. I was always came in from the other direction. Um, and in in the main, probably stood on the Alderton Road Terrace more than anywhere. Now that, that had to change over the years because for a while it was closed off, and and so then uh, you know you had to get moved around a little bit. And then we did move from one side of Peckham to um, another, and we then then we did start coming in via um, Coldblow Lane and, and standing on that terrace. But initially, it was always Ilden Road, and probably out of everywhere that I like to stand, I did like to stand there. And I don't know whether it was because you, you know you're closer to the away fans, or just it was what you were used to. But um, but a thing that I did as a kid, and I'm sure many others did, was you know you'd, you'd watch the first half at one, and then you watch the second half at the other. Again, you know. Not many grounds you could do that, and obviously you'd still do it in non-league or whatever. But you know, the the idea of doing that in the modern day is just completely alien to you know your typical Liverpool, Man United, or whatever supporters. But at Millwall, it was like that was how it should be. You know what I mean? It was normal. Um, you watch them attack the goal both sides, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've always preferred standing behind the goal. I know, like. You know, you sort of got the whole halfway crowd and they loved the view because actually, you know, you could see the whole of the pitch quite well from that side. And obviously directors' boxes are always on the side because they've got the best view of the whole ground. But there's nothing like being behind the goal when a goal goes in. And if, no, if you could do it, if you could do it both both halves, you know, that's that's a proper privilege. I'll never forget a few years back when we were playing Dartford and the um the Dartford fan, there's a Dartford fan who brought his own stepladder. And he put his flag up at the beginning of the game. And then half time, climbs up his stepladder, he takes it down, picks his stepladder, goes all the way around to the other side and puts his puts his flag back up again and off it goes again. And you're thinking, yeah. fucking hell, you know. <laughs> Normal behaviour. Yeah. That's it, that's it. So on to question five, the new den. Do you like it? Two questions really in one. Do you like it? And um, where do you sit now? Yeah, so no surprise behind the goal. Um, so block nine. And been there, season ticket holder from from the start. So as soon as it was built, um, ended up there. I suppose again, when it would be in the middle, that was like the best sort of seat. Um, and obviously, we've had a few ups and downs during that period. But I think the majority of the people in sort of block nine, block ten, a majority are season ticket holders. So over the years, you sort of got used to the same sort of faces, which is nice. So you've, you know, you've got a bit of that kind of extended family kind of thing, you know, the familiarity of, you know, the old faces, you know, having a set, a bit of the ground that is unreserved. I know, you know, that obviously COVID might change that a little bit, but, you know, having that unreserved thing was, you know, it, it meant that we were a little bit different to other grounds. I think um, it's changed so, already, to be fair. I think yeah, it's now, yeah. um, because every other, I think, because every other part of the state, every other stadium, is all allocated and I think people got upset that ours wasn't allocated. So um, I think now or once we end up going back, I think it'll all be allocated as such. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And look, you know that when it, look, if, if someone said that you can go back now, but you've got to sit in your seat now before to, before COVID, I mean, all support saying, no, I'll sit where I want. Whereas now you're saying, look, I'll sit anywhere. You know what I mean? If I have to sit in a seat, if it means I get back in that ground, I'll do anything. Um, but, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, uh, again, it's just, I just think, you know, as an area of the ground, it, <coughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice area to sit. I have, like, sat in all the stands other than the away in, like, at different times, cup matches, taking taking the sun or whatever. But, you know, I, it's, as I said, yeah, I my, family, my family's congregated there and that's where I'll congregate. I've sat at Block 10 with Big Rich. You know, Big Rich, yeah. big lad, sits at the yeah, top, right at the yeah. top. Okay. Fucking absolute lunatic. I um I used to live in the Cliftonville Tavern opposite. All right. Yeah. He used to live there. And okay. uh, yeah. He's he's got a tattoo on his ass. What pays <laughs> for the tattoos on his forearms? He's got <laughs> WW. He's got two W's tattooed on either uh, on either arse cheek. Uh, <laughs> you you can understand why. And um yeah, he's uh <clears throat> he got two Millwall tattoos on his forearm for doing the bit to do that. Paid for his two tattoos on his forearm, right. but yeah, I've never met um, 
you know, he's a lovely fellow, but he's, he's a lunatic. Yeah. Uh, a proper, proper lunatic. So. Look, 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 we do have a few refined songs in that area of the ground as well. Yeah, yeah. Bongo that, sits in block nine. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, I, uh, and, and, and I have a bit of your question. Uh, do I like it? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously I love the old place and like nothing can ever replace that. But um, in a funny kind of way, I think, um, is sort of pleased that the den sort of got built when it did in the fact that it isn't like a lot of other grounds. You know, there's maybe, I think, is it St. Johnston, um, Lands, not Lansdowne Road, um, Winter Park. They're sort of similar sort of stadiums, but most of the new build stadiums these days, and they're all the same. They're those sort of round bowls and <laughs> just like the atmosphere is never that good. Like the new Wembley, you know, the, the, you know, the sound just gets lost in the, in, in how big the stadium is, where I think that then the way it's built, especially in like the upper tiers, we're really close to the roof. So again, the noise I think we create at that place, especially when it's full, is is second to none. I don't, you know, if there's anywhere better in the country that, that can produce an atmosphere like theirs, I'm not I'm not just not convinced. And it ain't just down to, you know, obviously we're a loud bunch and a noisy bunch and all that sort of stuff. But I just think that actually as a, as a as a, as, a, as a stadium it suits us it's probably about the right size for our support at the minute and um you know as i said when it when it's buzzing it, it's it's second it's, to none. it's a strange stadium because it can look so big yet so small and it can also um when you're pitch side it can be so loud yet so yeah. quiet the same you know it, it's yeah it's a formidable place. When that place is it is absolutely rocking, um, you pretty much are definitely like the twelfth man without without a shadow of a doubt. So um, yeah, and it, it's far from so, perfect, but you know what? Again, that it's also in it. Exactly, exactly. It's so, yeah, fuck anyone else. It's ours, <laughs> you know. Um, and we defend it, unlike West Ham. We just think, no, no, just get rid of Upton <laughs> Upton Park. Don't worry about it. We we don't want it. We we'll take the new one. No. Yeah. That was a good no, we ground. Did it, we did Jokes well. aside, that was a, you know, that was a, a, a good ground. Nice, close, everything else. Um, it, suited, it suited their needs, didn't it? So they didn't need the moves, did they? But, you no. know, ideas of grandeur and look what, look, what it's, look what it's done to them. It's fucked them now, isn't it? You know, yeah. uh, hopefully they come down to the championship and hopefully we go up and then we miss them and then they can play <laughs> Chelsea next year instead. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, question six. Favourite all-time player? Yeah, so favourite is a is a funny one because I don't know if, I don't know if I'm at the age that are their favourites, but I think just in terms of quality, I'd have to say Teddy. Um, just um, especially like his last season, he was just head and shoulders above anything I've seen in a Millwall shirt. You know, you get you get a few players that can put on a decent spell. Um, and you know we've had a, we've had a few. Like, I've even put Jed up there recently as someone that consistently performs. But but t- Teddy and the fact that you know he came through the youth team, he got promoted with us. You know a few of the others had left by then. He stayed and and just that last season with us was just showed you the player that he went on to become. And I don't think um, you know anyone has left us and gone on to have such a career. When you think you know. Played in the Euros, played in World Cups, played in, uh, you know, won the treble. You know, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like you know what, and and but we had that, you know, he had good four years of him when he was, you know, turning into something, and and when he left us, he turned into that quality player that 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 served those other clubs really well. So I think, you know, in terms of in terms of that, I would I would say Teddy. I would also stick in Harris into. You know, in his pomp, he was he was a player. And he was probably the player that we were waiting for in terms of a striker since Teddy, in terms of having someone that can consistently, you know, put the ball in the back of the net. And, you know, he was a, a cracking player for us. And two other mentions, maybe, um, two Jimmys. So Jimmy Carter, when he signed for us, that to me was like the sort of, I was thinking, actually, we've got the docks building a team here. And he was like proper exciting. And as I say, I, I sort of see similarities between Jimmy Carter and Jed in that, you know, you had that player in the team that can unlock defences and, you know, they're crucial. They're crucial to the successful team. And the other Jimmy is Jimmy Abdu, who completely different sort of player from, 
from um, Jimmy Carter or your Jeds. And, you know, on the face of it, you're thinking, actually, you know, are they, you know, similar to sort of like your Murray Wallace's or your, or your Andy Frampton's, you know, they're not like a typical, you know, they're not like the greatest footballer in the world, but they give everything. And you know what? Sometimes you need a li- little bit of that in your team. And, the, you know, the service that Jimmy Abdu gave us was brilliant. And even when a few players, a few managers would drop him, he'd still sort of get back in the team and he'd come in and he would just be the, that sort of player that put in the shift that meant the other players, like your Jeds, could do their business. And um, so uh, both those Jimmys, for different reasons, I would... Um, both, 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 really, both, yeah. both really nice fellas as well. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> just actually decent footballers as well. Very decent, yeah, for what they are. Yeah. Underrated players. Yeah. yeah. Um, but on their day, they can perform. Yeah, exactly. As we know with as we know with Jimmy Abdu a few times yeah. where uh, you know, he, yeah. he, he yeah. won us came up trumps. Yeah, so some some blinding bragging rights. So yeah. Yes. So question seven favourite all time manager. Yeah, so there's a few, but I just think it has to be the doc. Um, I think George Graham set the template like in the work that he did before he went to Arsenal. But to me, the doc completed it. You know, he, he, he you know, it, following from Graham wasn't going to be an easy task, but actually, then taking us, you know, to the promised land sort of thing was, um, you know, you've got to give doc and Frank McClintock and, and obviously the team loads of credit for that. And I think the most important thing about it is obviously we had a good couple of years and then obviously he left and he came back for a little bit or whatever. But I actually think that template still lives on now in a way because Rhino and Macca obviously used to play in that Docs team. And then to me, they were the ones that built the foundations for the McGee team, which was a team that, again, I loved watching and, you know, how that team flew in the end. Um, and then Harris was part of that McGee team and Harris then built the foundations, probably using a similar template to the doc in terms of being quite direct and, you know, but actually being about the team more than it being about necessarily the flair. Um, and then, but then, you know, those foundations are actually what Rowett is now working with. So I think, you know, but it can all go back to George Graham probably, but I think the doc, meant that actually it was the right template for us and he you know and he for me he's the one who deserves the biggest praise because he took us to our biggest prize which um hopefully we'll get to premiership soon and then it'll be the, the next one won't it so yeah that's it, that's it so question eight i like this question because this this gets <laughs> this gets people and it's such a varied mix of yeah i bet it's like the age group and a varied mix and all that. So I like question eight and nine. Question eight, worst Millwall player you've ever seen? Okay, so the worst one, and there might be players that probably were, were actually worse, but for me, the worst player, Millwall player ever is Bobby Barry. Um, he was he, he joined us when I think Mick McCarthy was running out of that Irish luck of his in the he never, he barely signed a decent player, McCarthy. And the, the signings of Newman and Barry from Crystal Palace of all clubs also coincided with Andy Roberts going in the opposite direction. And, you know, you know, almost, not quite, but almost, you know, the last of selling off the family crown jewels, as it were. And then, you, you know, it's bad enough losing Roberts, but then replacing him with Barry and... And Ricky Newman, it's just like, you know, one of them would have been bad enough, but the pair of them were just rubbish. And, um, and it, you know, it's no great surprise that that season that they joined, you know, we ended up being relegated. Um, but Barry, for me, was, was a, as a footballer, he was a, he was a fraud. He wasn't, um, like, he ran around a lot. He pointed even more than what Aidan O'Brien used to get accused of. Um, but, he weren't a footballer. He couldn't pass for Toffee. Yeah, he was playing in centre midfield. You know, you had him next to Alex Ray and you're thinking, he doesn't even deserve to be on the same pitch as Alex Ray, let alone playing alongside him. And yet we had to suffer him. But the worst, actually the worst thing about Barry was that he must have signed on like a three-year contract or something like that. It was the fact that I think Billy Bonds must have given him an extension. So he got another two or three years on top of it. And you're thinking... <laughs> 
you know, signing in once was bad enough, but extending it. And it was just like, you know, it was almost felt personal, as you could probably sound. But it was just like having to watch him play, you know, week in, week out, um, really was not, wasn't my idea of fun. And it, to me, it wasn't a coincidence that as soon as he eventually got dropped by Rhino, when sort of Rhino and Macca came in, that was when things started to improve. So it, all of that period that, that Barry was here was relegation, administration and a downward spiral. As soon as he was out of the team, things started looking up. So Bobby Barry, definitely the worst player I've seen. We won't get him on the show going forward. <laughs> <laughs> you know like, what? You know Hi, what? Bobby. Thanks for joining us. Got a question <laughs> for you. <laughs> All art from Twitter is sent in this question. Why were you such a fraud? <laughs> you, like, couldn't, you couldn't pass the ball for Toffee. <laughs> no, no. And you know what? I've, um, I've, I've come across him, like, not that many, a couple of years ago, because he works now as a, as a development coach. He's got his own academy. And I think he's a scout as well. And he's had a couple of players, I think, who have played for us. And, or a, a couple of players that could have come to us and he sort of hasn't done us a favour, if you know what I mean. So I'm not quite sure. It's probably because we probably wouldn't give him as, as big a cut as he would like. He's, he's a successful... Allegedly. Coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> he's a successful um, development coach come agent in terms of, I'm sure he's making a load of money. But um, but again, just watching his um, style of coaching, it's like, nah, not for me. It's, it's, it isn't how I would teach kids to play football. Um, so, again, just... Not a fan on the on the in the blue shirt, but I'm not a fan of his outside either. Okay, so we know that he's your best, no, worst player you've ever seen at Millwall playing for yeah. Millwall. Yes. Question nine: worst player you've ever seen at the Den. Okay, I'm going to cheat slightly here because this player, this person is a player, so he was a player. But it wasn't that he was playing at the Den. He was he was coaching at the Den. And this is um, it's Pat Rice, so the former Arsenal uh, fullback. And um, this was in the time where I was still quite young, um, and but I was starting to go week in, week out. And Pat Rice, at this time, he was in charge of the Arsenal youth team. And there was a couple of seasons where we played Arsenal in like a couple of cup finals like Southern Junior Floodlit Cup final or I don't know if we played them in the youth cup I can't remember but we played them in a couple of matches and there was one that was like a two-legged affair and the first leg was at Ivory and we there was no segregation we were all put in like the main stand in the posh seats and um but I almost got probably about the only time ever I almost got thrown out of the ground because I just couldn't I was I was young and went beyond the years, but I just couldn't handle sitting with Arsenal supporters. It was just, I was, and a, and a, and a you know, a gentleman uh, came along to me and asked if I could, ref, you know, refrain from my behaviour. And um, I obliged and I did get, I did get to see out the rest of the game, but we lost about 3-0, I think, at their place. And then we still had the second leg at the Den. Um, and the crowd weren't great. It was an evening, it was an evening second leg. And um, I think, as I said, I think this is the final. And um, so, so Arsenal, they were like, I think they got another couple of goals. We might have got a goal, but either way, we were like losing four or five, one on aggregate or something like that. There was about 10 minutes to go. And the Arsenal team, you know, they, 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 they've thrashed us. They, you know, they've, they've beaten us. Yeah, they were cynical. They were like passing the ball back to the goalkeeper. They were trying to, trying to still sort of like kill the game, as it were. And, um, and I was just like, this is just rubbish. This is just, you know, this is how you're teaching young kids how to play football. It's just cynical. It's just like typical Arsenal. Um, but this is just rotten. You know, and it weren't just me. The rest of the Millwall crowd, the few that were there, were just like giving the Arsenal team. You know, they were kids, but they were getting loads of stick from the den because this is just like, no, you know, this isn't football. This is just something else. This isn't what it's all about. And then this was... Obviously, at the old den, and again, we were behind the goals at the cold blow lane end. And um, so after the match, a group of Mill supporters, including myself, um, got close to the tunnel because that's where, obviously, the um, that's where you had to go off the pitch. And uh, we were certainly giving Pat Rice a load of stick for the fact that, you know, he was putting his name to that team. And um, so 
so not the worst player, but the worst player in terms of actual rottenness. I just, just no, just weren't happy with it. I've got a thing against Arsenal. I'm afraid. Well, I've never guessed. Afraid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not afraid. I don't care. It's just, um, it's just, you know. I don't know. Maybe it goes back to the fact that they nicked George Graham off us. I don't know. But actually, it probably goes back longer than that, you know, in the fact that, you know, they come from southeast London as well and they went over the river. And we can't sort of necessarily criticise the team for crossing the river because we've done the same. But the fact that they went on to have massive success and we sort of ended up, you know, they bought their way to success as well. You know, we ended up sort of staying loyal to the Southern League and all that sort of stuff and it never did us any favours yet they've just gone on to win everything almost but I still wouldn't want to be one of them No, no, no <laughs> So we're now getting into the into the good set of questions now and um, question 10 your most memorable match involving Millwall and don't say it was that one no, 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 no. Nothing to do with Arsenal. No, it was um, the 4-2 win against Sheffield Wednesday where we were 2-0 down at half-time. And um, even though we were 2-0 down, I didn't necessarily think we necessarily deserved to be 2-0 down. Both keepers were having blinders. I think it was Brian Orn in goal, I think. And uh, Kevin Preston was in goal for them and he made a couple of good saves. Yet, you know, we were 2-0 down. Wednesday were flying at the time. They were, you know, up there going for promotion and you're thinking 2 nil down, you know, things ain't looking good. Albeit that we were playing okay. And then in the second half, we just ripped them to shreds. And so you had Alex in the middle, Jimmy Carter on the wing, you had Teddy up front, Malcolm Allen. And it was just like coming from 2 nil down to win 4-2 is just special anyway. But doing it against a really good team was even more special. And I know we've had some matches recently, like the Leeds matches that have been a bit, you know, ding-dong one way and, and then back the other kind of thing. But coming from behind to just then just thrash a really good team. And like the Colbo lane and that that day was just, just fantastic. You know, everybody, it was just like, you know, this is what football's all about. You know, it was just, just brilliant. And and so in terms of a memorable match, it's the feeling that you get from it. You know, nothing, you don't feel more alive than in that moment. I've got a link on, I've got a link to that game on the, um, on the AMS channel. I'll, um, I'll send you a link later. It's yeah, got a whole game on there, I think. Yeah, no, brilliant, 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 match, brilliant team. Um, <laughs> you can rest your, get the thing on there. So, that's your most memorable match. Yeah. Favourite ever Millwall, question 11, favourite ever Millwall moment? Yeah, so, it's, it's probably between two. Um, so, I know a lot of people talk about the uh, the semi-final Old Trafford as, 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 as you know, you know, it, it was our cup final, weren't it? But actually, for me, reaching our cup final meant more to me personally. So that the, the, the victory at Tranmere, we should have beaten them at home. We didn't. And then we went away. And all right, they got a goal late on. But, you know, we were the better team. We'd done the business. And, you know, we'd never, I mean, I'd never experienced the semi-final. So actually getting to a semi-final. And again, in those days, because it was still on the neutral ground, so the idea of seeing Millwall at a neutral ground and obviously it ended up being Old Trafford as well was like, you know, that just made it. So beating Tranmere, because we didn't just beat them, we, we scored a couple of brilliant goals, you know, a really good team. And 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 so then we won, the, obviously won the match. And then, you, you know, you're bumping into people who you've been, you know, traipsing up and down the country for the last 10 years, having to endure watching Bobby Barry week in, week out. And so you see, so you meet you meet you meet your mates that you've only ever sort of met through Millwall, and you're giving them a because you know that yeah we're going to this semi final where if we win the prize is everything we ever wanted you know to get to see the FA Cup you know for real you know that obviously was great and you know but the other prize was yeah you know we win this it's a good chance we're in Europe and you know so so but it, you know it was that Tranmere match for me. The, the semi-final obviously was a great day, but it was almost too nerve-wracking. Whereas the Tranmere match, we won it well. And all right, like, as I said, they got the late goal, but we were the better team. And we it was we, we should have always beaten Tranmere, and we did. But just because we should doesn't ever always mean that Millwall does. But on that occasion, we did. And, and to me, that was that was 
that was it. And the other one, if I'm, as I said, the other one would be possibly Bradford at Wembley. Slightly different reasons. Again, the goal was scored at our end, so that made it a bit more special than the Swindon one. Um, and obviously Morrison and Harris as the manager, you know, you've got that kind of sort of connection that I know Robbo scored against Swindon, but scoring so late in the match just gives it that little extra. But also it's the fact that, um, so that was, my son was with me. So my son went to Wembley for the first time the year before where we lost to Barnsley. And so then, so Rob, you know, he's a bit like me, his first three matches that you saw Millwall play, you know, we didn't even score a goal. You know, you, you, you know, you go through the dark times, you go through the Barnsley's, to have days like Bradford. And that was a brilliant day. You know, the birth of a new team. It's the birth of the team that we've got here still today, you know. Um, so some great players, some great characters, brilliant day. And my son was with me and we did it and we won. You know, my dad was there, my son was there, my brothers were there. It was just, yeah, that's that's what makes it really special to me. So, a good family day out. Exactly. Yeah, can't get any better than that. So we go on to question 12. Your funniest ever Millwall moment. Yeah, so if I'm talking funny moments, it's it's not necessarily at the match. And this is more about travelling up and down the country. So it was Man United away, second season in the top flight. And we lost 5-1. And even though Teddy got a goal back, you know, they, they obviously they thrashed us. But, and, you know, we lost and all the rest of it. But, you know, this was sort of like the times when, you know, going to Old Trafford, it was like, you know, what's this all about? You're going to places that... Um, you know, we'd never dreamed of going and, you know, we weren't quite sure what you're supposed to do when you go there. You know, it's just, just it was quite different and com- compared to what we were used to, we were taking, you know, massive numbers away to league matches where previously, you know, those sort of big numbers were saved for special occasions. But week in, week out, you had these big numbers. And then, and, and actually, in terms of the funniest, it was it was coming back. We were on the train, we'd lost 5-1, but you wouldn't have known it on that end of the city coming home. It, you know, it felt like the old Kent Road was on that on that train, and every carriage it was almost like a different party going on. And so you've got the poor souls who were, you know, normal commuters having to, you know, rub it with the with the rest of us. But it was just pure banter, just brilliant, just brilliant laughs. And, you know, you got off that train, and you 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 know, your face is just stuck where you've just been grinning and laughing so much. And it wasn't necessarily all alcohol feud or or anything else. It was just pure fun good times brilliant company brilliant people um just just the funniest brilliant days ever and the fact that we lost 5-1 didn't matter it was just a great day out <laughs> it, it, yeah i've heard uh, some of those northern trips back in those sort of times where um i've heard some proper stories for them so yeah so question 13 your best story while following millwall Okay, so this is um, yeah, so sort of a little bit after that. So um, so this was the um, Brighton match in the playoffs, the away match where we lost four one. Um, so obviously, least said about the um, the result, the, the better. But um, before kick off, I, I don't know if you ever went to the Goldstone Ground, but the terrace and the terrace along the side, and bits of it were closed off, but we had like a corner of one bit and this, we had, there was some seating behind the goal and uh, just before kickoff, a photographer, and he must have been a, um, a, a Brighton photographer or a, or a press photographer, he plonked himself down in front of our lot where we were sitting in the seats and, but they weren't happy with where he was sitting because it was obscuring the view of the supporters. So they're like, all right, move over, we can't see. So, so then he moves along and then like he moves himself in front of some more middle supporters that, so then, then they're like, no, 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 he ain't, he ain't sitting here. So they move him along. And then he comes around to the terrace. Now, the, it's these old sort of fashioned terraces where the terrace used to end up sort of lower than the pitch. So where like, we were sort of standing, um, he was he then plonked himself in front of the, um, the mill supporters who were standing up. But they'd seen what was happening in the seats. And they'd seen him sort of coming along, being moved on and moved on and moved on. And he plonked himself in front of... Uh, the, the, our supporters on the terrace and they start giving it to him as I was saying you can't stand it you're in our way anyway he was in tears he was absolutely he thought they're picking on me they're picking on he's like you know he obviously had never ever come across Millwall supporters before and it was just the fact that 
you know, now it was like, no, no, now we're just winding him up. You know, it weren't even, they weren't even worried about the fact that if he was in the way or not, it was just like, you know, you've just picked on the wrong crowd to, to uh, do the wrong thing in front of. And, you know, you, you know a, it's, it's sort of that half you feel sorry for him, but on the other half you think, oh, this is really funny. Um, and then maybe, maybe karma got us in the end because we lost 4-1, but at the time, at the time, it was funny. Um, you've given him something to remember, haven't you? Yeah, 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 and yeah, and he certainly won't make that same mistake again. I'm sure. <laughs> so, um, question fourteen: um, favorite current player? Yeah, so mentioned oh, earlier. Um, so Jed, um, just as I said, that, and you know, it, we've had the odd flair player for us down the years. You know, we've, you know, signed them, but they've never turned out to be the real deal. If you know what I mean. But Jed, he has been, you know, it's, you know, if he got bought by someone, I know Middlesbrough were interested in him the other year and, and so on, but, you know, you can't begrudge what he's done for us in terms of, like, I mean, last season, I know, like, after COVID, he didn't quite hit the heights that he was at before that, but, you know, the amount of goals he scored and assists he got last season, um, you know, and he started it again this year, you know, obviously he helped us get promoted. He's just, you know, you know, not just flair and quality, but he's got the hard work to go with it. And, you know, again, another one that seems like a decent character. And so he's all part, you know, he, you know, I'm sure um, he's part of that sort of good changing room um, that, that seems to be there at the minute. So part of that team spirit. So everything about him, you know, he's just quality, quality individual. And actually a real privilege to watch. A bit like, you know, you're watching Teddy uh, when he was at his best and you're thinking, you know what, we're watching something here. When Jed's on his game, it's the same. You know, different sort of player, obviously. But when he does the business, he, he you know, he really does. And, you know, just loved watching him from day one with us. And let's hope we have many more days where we can watch him. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, definitely. So, question yes. 15. Yeah. It might, you might have already mentioned it there, baby, but I don't know. Question 15, your best away day following Millwall? Yeah, maybe, yeah, no, because I, I actually thought about a different match. And this was um, QPR in, I think it was the Milk or the Littlewoods Cup then, back 1987, so away at Loftus Road. It was a two-legged affair, so this was the first leg. We'd beaten Orient in the uh, the round before. And the Orient match was my first away meal match. Um, and so Loftus Road was my second uh, away match. And um, just the noise that night, unbelievable. We just, you know, again, another match that we lost, but you wouldn't have known it because the noise that come from our crowd that night, and there's there's clips of it again on um, on YouTube that you can see. And Jim Smith afterwards, you know, even commented on on it. You know, it was it was something special. And for me, being just like the second game I ever went to, it's just like away match I ever went to. I'm thinking, wow. And to be honest. I've never hit those heights. It was it was just an incredible noise. But it was it was tribal. It wasn't even singing songs. It was just making noise. We were just bashing the metal at the back back of the stand and just making the, an almighty racket. And it was just something else. Absolutely something else. But if you if you do watch bits on um, YouTube, you can you can kind of get an appreciation for that noise. And as I said, it was you know it even made the reports the next day. It, it shows you the power of what we can be when we when we do turn it on. And I think, as I say, I think we've, we've had atmospheres at home where, where we've matched it. Um, and there are away matches where it is good, but that night it was just something really, really special. It's matches like that will always stay in your, in your memory forever, don't they? It's just little bits and pieces. Of yeah. And whatnot. So, yeah. I mean, I, I remember one of the, one of the funniest, I suppose, um, was when we went to Fulham and it's the first year we played Fulham for a while and we went by boat and there was that Korean couple getting married in the park and all of a sudden <laughs> they had about 500 Wolf fans surrounding them. You can just, you can just imagine in 20 years time, they'll be looking back at their pictures going, who the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Who is that yeah. fella? <laughs> so then, on to question 16 and 17 pretty much go together. Most disliked opponent ever. And then your top three rivals. 
Okay, well, I'll get the rivals out of the way. So the rivals to me, West Ham first, Palace second, and I'll probably put Chelsea third in terms of who I think are, are our historical rivals. To me, they're the, they're the three. Obviously, um, we haven't played any of them that much recently, but mm. Palace, obviously, a little bit more than the other two. But to me, they're the, they're the top three. But when it comes to most disliked, and I've mentioned it already, um, it's going to be Arsenal. Um, again, long historical reasons. The fact that, you know, South East London, especially got growing up, was just full of Arsenal fans. Still is, you know, and look, as I said, there is a there is a link between Woolwich and 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 you know their support. So it and that I think still exists. Um but the but the irony for me was that um Highbury was actually just one of my favourite football grounds. Um obviously completely different to the den, but but it was proper classy, you know, like the main stand had padded leather seats and you're thinking, wow, you know, and, you know, compared to what we had at Millwall, it's just like, you know, chalk and cheese. And then that, that they didn't have floodlight pylons, they had lights from the top of the stand. And like, you could even see that they were coloured like red, green and blue. They were like, wow, these are something a bit special. When a night match at Ivory and the lights um, in the sort of the back of the stand would go off and you'd have this, You'd have the pitch in front of you, and it was lit up just brilliantly. And it was just a great place to go and watch Millwall away from home. Um, and the you know great stadium, and you know, and obviously a, a sort of odd stadium. The fact that it was surrounded by terraced houses and stuff, but you know, slightly posher ones than what we had in New Cross. But but they had that kind of all right. They had you know they were called the Bank of England Club, and as I said. I felt they they cheated their way to that, but they had this fantastic stadium. So even though they had the money, they they spent it sort of wisely. They obviously had a load of success um, that you know didn't necessarily sit that comfortable with me, especially with George Graham doing the business for them. But I know he did the business for us. But you know he, he took them on to even greater did you, heights. Did you have a Did you have a best mate who cheated on your missus or something back then? <laughs> no, who's an no, Arsenal no. fan? Because <laughs> there seems to be a real hatred of Arsenal fan what you wouldn't necessarily get from a Tottenham fan but you know the hatred you're showing towards Arsenal is it's a bit of jealousy and jealous of obviously like a bit of their success and the fact that they've got more money than us but as I said you still want to be one of their supporters and actually that's what it comes down to is the fact that uh, you know, to me, our supporters are better than theirs. So they can have all the money in the world. They can have the biggest attendances in the world. They have the best players in the world. But ultimately, you're not as good as us. And, you know, so it's... So, so you know, it balances itself out eventually. Question 18. We're nearly done. Question 18. If you can change anything, what would you change? And as I said to you in a, in a pretext, that's pretty much you can change a result. You could change uh, a manager. You could change... A position you could change anything you want to change. Yeah, the, this, this is really tough question. I think the easiest thing that I would change is our shirt color. I would go back to the more royal blue color. I, I, the, the dark one looks better on a on a big man with a fat belly, but I think um, I just prefer seeing us wear that color. But that's that's probably an easy one. I think if if, if there's one thing I could go back in terms of say like on the pitch, it'd probably be. Um, the fact that we sold Chris Armstrong, I think if we'd have kept him, we'd have got promoted that season easily. And uh, a, a final season at the Den with him in that team, we would have we would have done that division, and then we would have been back in the top top league in the new ground and, and everything that come with it. But I mean, we sold him for a million. I remember at the time saying to because my brother was saying, "Oh, you know, a million pound that's a load of money for someone that we only spent you know thirty grand on or whatever it was." And I'm saying, "Yeah, but it'll be worth four million in." Many years time than he was, and to me it just it just felt short sighted. I know we needed to balance the books, but it just felt felt wrong. The only other thing that if I could change was the fact that I missed Hull away. As I said, I, at that point I wasn't going to that many away matches. You know, I'd never been on an inner city or anything like that before, and I had a chance to go in through a work colleague's brother, and um, then he said, "Oh no, we can't. We, there's no room for you in the car. We're taking the the, the two wives instead." Oh, great. And so that didn't happen all the way. And then um, it was only after we found out that the, the two missuses didn't go. They could have taken us. You think, oh, could have, could have done it, could have done it. But it was like, it was just a little bit before my time, if you know what I mean. I was, I had a Saturday job, so it, it didn't, 
that season I didn't see much of. I only really saw the midweek games. Um, and luckily, I gave up gave up the ideas of any further education. So the following year, I got a proper job where I had Saturdays off. So it meant. So what was I, your second job? I worked. Um, I worked in um, what is now Morrison's, but then it was Safeways down Morris Road. Oh yeah, on, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. on the fruit and veg shelves in there. Uh, which you know was, was fine, but you know listening to the scores coming at five o'clock wasn't you know, the ideal way of hearing uh, Millwall were you know on their way to radio. That's it. It was. It was, and you had to yeah. you had to you had to almost go up the fire escape to get a reception. But you know that that, that was my dedication to the calls. Um, but but yeah, so, not the same as being there. So question nineteen. Two questions left. Um, the penultimate one, as such. Uh, question 19, all-time favourite shirt? Yeah, so that'll be that last season at the Den, 92-93. So um, it's that sort of half blue, half white with a, some stripes in the middle. Um, it's it's a kit that we've never replicated. It was like very unique. And at the time, it was like, oh, this is a bit different. Um, but I think as a, as a, you know, one, it reminds me of how great that team was because actually... People talk about Bruce Rioch with the great football, but that first full season under Mick McCarthy, to me, we played the best football we ever played. Andy May, Malcolm Allen at the pivots in the diamond. That and you know Alex Ray was still and he's doing his business. That to me was just the best football I'd ever seen. It was the Fairview Home was one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um, it, and 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 as a as a piece of design, I just thought, yeah, that is it's unique. It's it's a bit special. As I said. We've never repeated that kit, and no other team has. You know, it, it's 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 an unusual one. It sort of stands on its own. Yet, in some ways, it's a kit that people could say actually it's not very Millwall, but actually, it, it as I said, it 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 lives well in history. I think it's a nice shirt. I'm yeah. looking at it right now. There's <laughs> one. There's one on eBay selling for 180 pounds. Okay, all right. I better get up in the loft. <laughs> yeah, £174.99 plus £7.99 postage. Right. Does it does it come with the curly Actually, collar that that yeah. looking at it, it's probably a moody because it comes from Kiev. Okay. <laughs> but you know, he's got the person who's selling it has got a lot of feedback and it's all hundred percent positive. It's got some bobbles on it. Um, defect to collar. Yeah, 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 the curly collars. The collars used to turn up, even like on the the, uh, the the ones the players wore. They had to get them sewn down. They weren't they weren't weren't the best quality, but design great, but quality now. Mm. He's also selling the old um, ninety two, ninety three Man United shirt, and then it's got something with ninety two. It's got the ninety two Liverpool shirt and the ninety two um, Newcastle shirt as well. Okay. Um, must have been, must have been 90, a good year. He's selling ninety-two everything. To be fair, oh, he's even got a goalkeeper shirt from ninety-two. The yellow, I oh, know the yellow away, not a goalkeeper. He's got the yellow away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, and, and a couple of really shit West Ham shirts. But yeah, <laughs> obviously horrible looking. Right, last question. Yeah. Um, before we allow you on your way, your best piece of Millwall memorabilia you own. Yeah, so no, again, could be tricky because yeah, I got um, an old so like the season before that got Kenny Cunningham's old shirt. Well, I think it's Kenny Cunningham. He's got a number two on the back with a proper logo and everything. Um, I got a pennant from Ferenc Varos when we played them out there in the UEFA Cup. But actually, if if, if there's one piece that I would say is the best piece of memorable, you know, Millwall stuff that I've got, it's probably my dad's photos and some of the photos that I took of the old then, because um, they've been sort of like the crux of what I've used for my Twitter account. You know, it's probably the reason why I set up the Twitter account is that I could share some of those photos that my dad took. Because to me, I thought they were quite, you know, there were moments in history that, you know, these days everybody's got a camera, so everything's being captured. But when my dad was taking his camera, you know, that was when we were in the top flight, um, you know, or still at the old den. So he's captured moments in time that, especially not the view from the terrace, weren't captured very much. And so the fact that, you know, I've got a load of them and I've been able to share them and people like seeing them and, you know, it and it provokes chat and memories and sort of nostalgia. But, you know, 
good times and good memories. And especially like where, you know, we've been starved of that kind of community in terms of going down the den week in, week out. And like people like you and Nick Hart and all of the rest of the guys that put out the online content have kind of helped fill that void, I think. And, and for me, being able to share those pictures, and, you know, bring back those memories that everybody has of good times, um, it, you know, is a privilege. And so, so it's my dad's photos that he took and he took pr- primarily, he took pictures of, of match action and, and picture, the pictures that I took of the old den um, that have gone on to kind of have online, they've had the, they've just, you know, they've been used in, I've seen them, people use them in their own profiles or whatever. And you're thinking, yeah, you know, that was my photo. I remember taking it, you know, I, I went down there and did it, but yeah, you know, you're able to share that and other people can get the sort of the joy of those memories that, you know, that, that I did. And at the time you, you, you sort of take it for, you took it for granted that, you know, it was the den and you were taking the pictures of it. And, but now you're thinking, actually, I'm really pleased that I did it because I did capture a picture of you know just even like a set of turnstiles that I haven't seen anyone else take a photo of or the picture of the bridge that's got WHU turned back you know there's I've seen two or three other photos of that bridge but that's it you know and I think my one is probably the nicest looking one in terms of its color and it's sunny whereas the others are all a bit dark and moody but you know but it's like you know I took a picture and that picture lives on so even you know, when we're, you know, six feet under, hopefully those photos will, will carry on and, you know, and, and you know, hopefully some of those memories won't fade quite so easily. No, I think the, the photos are great. I mean, there's um, Hobbsy on on Twitter posted a picture of him one day when he was a mascot. And yeah. he took it from the pitch towards the crowd and... Merv Payne, obviously, who writes all the, the books, yeah. you probably need to speak to him because he's just got the 90s book out and he's doing the second series today. No, the, the, um, the first book, he's used one of my dad's photos on the front cover, so, yeah, I've, I've been in touch. <laughs> and and he basically looked at the picture what Hobbsy posted and it was a picture of him and his dad at football. Well, yeah. if it wasn't for that picture, he'd yeah. never, ever have a picture of him and his dad at football. So, yeah. I do believe that pictures, especially old pictures, mean a yeah. lot to certain people. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, look, if people want to see your pictures, it's Wall Art 1885. That's the one. Well, thank you very much for asking or answering the 20 questions. If you want to check him out, he is Wall Art 1885 on Twitter. He does post loads of old um, pictures. Maybe DM him if you're looking for certain pictures from certain times to see. You never know. You might be in them. Um, you might not, but you might be in them. So, look, thank you very much for your time today. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed the stories. Hopefully you've enjoyed um, the conversation. Um, and that's it from us. So until next time, if you want to get involved, please DM, drop us an email, uh, that millwallpodcast at gmail.com, or uh, follow us across social media. Um, thank you, and see you again soon. story a story of graciousness and grandeur come walk in the footsteps of the vanderbilt family and experience all that biltmore has to offer plan your stay at biltmore.com this week on rver sponsored by progressive insurance oh, that new doctor is dropped it gorgeous oh, please he's just another rv league educated surgeon with good hair no He's different. Nurses, we got a classy motorhome with a detached driver's side mirror. Meet me in the OR.
Stat. Right away, Doctor. No, no, no. She's on break. I'll handle this one. Oh, you conniving little... When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.